there, and welcome to episode 42 of the Sports and Spirituality Show here, sponsored in part by the Fairfield County Sports Network and our friends Greg and Mitch Price of Price Custom Homes. They've been doing this for about 50 years, and they can help you from beginning to end. You can get more information by going to their website, PriceCustomHomes.com. A special thank you to Mike O'Reilly and WLRY 88.9 Radio for Life and George Chatters at Save Radio for broadcasting the sports and spirituality show on those outlets. Thank you for joining us. Whatever platform you've chosen uh, to get the SAS, the Sports and Spirituality Show, we are so grateful that you've chosen to join us here on this program. Uh, my name is Steve Rao, and our co-host is, um, uh, <clears throat> she loves to connect with people, but is wireless. Uh, she loves to be a homebody, but she loves to go to remote locations. She loves to camp, but needs a hotel. She is with Young Life Lancaster. She is Kelsey Bull. Welcome back to the Sports and Spirituality Show, Kelsey. What's up, Steve? How are you? Well, I'm doing good. Yeah, you, you, you're calling in from an undisclosed remote location, is that right? That is correct. Oh, how that about that? Correct. Well, I can't disclose where it might be. Maybe I don't even know. You're part of the Witness Protection Program. I don't even know what's going on, um, but you're not able to be in the studio uh, today, so uh, you made sure that you were able to participate in episode 42, and I really appreciate that extra effort that you put forth uh, to make that happen. What does the number 42 mean to you? Um, okay, I might get this wrong, but is that Jackie Robinson's it number? It is, and I'm so proud of you. The gal that doesn't know anything about sports knows that Jackie Robinson's number was 42. Super proud of you, kid, and uh, you may or may not know this, but I believe it's around his birthday in, in April. Every major league player in one game wears the number 42 in his honor. That's wild. That also sounds really expensive. Um, That's a lot of jerseys. It's a lot of jerseys, and I think it's super cool. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, nobody's allowed to wear number 42. I believe it was Mariano Rivera, who was a relief pitcher for the New York Yankees, was the last guy to wear the number 42 as a regular number. Nobody else allowed to wear it. But once a year, literally every player in Major League Baseball wears number 42 in Jackie Robinson's honor. And I got to tell you, I'm here for it. Yeah, I would. I agree. I'm here for that too. That sounds cool. Have it, you seen the movie Forty Two? I have, and really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like it was really well done. It um, it certainly was uh, telling the story um, and uh, all of the connections. Of course, we record this podcast in Ohio, and uh, Branch Ricky uh, was the guy who was going to bat for Jackie Robinson and wanted to see him uh, play Major League Baseball, a deep man of faith. So he could have been on the Sports and Spirituality Show. But unfortunately, he's uh, already enjoying his eternal reward, and so he can't be on the show. But uh, I thought it was super cool uh, that this man of faith was also standing up uh, for people of color uh, before it was a cool thing to do and quite frankly it was a very dangerous thing to do but he did it anyway and we celebrate that hey i heard a rumor that maybe um you went uh, to a church camp recently i was at young life camp i recently. see yep and i uh we took some high school friends from lancaster high school with us um to uh, our Young Life property in Lower State, New York, uh, called Lake Champion. And really, it was an incredible week of 
building relationships and hearing the gospel and getting to process the gospel and what the gospel means for our lives with my high school friends. Um, I'm so excited uh, that, that we were able to do that. Um, and then one of our friends even um, really felt like he heard the gospel for the first time in its entirety that week. And he um, decided to follow Jesus, which just makes the trip all the more sweet um, and meaningful and memorable. So really excited for that friend of ours too. Yes, for him to make an eternal decision, not just a decision for that day or that week or this year, uh, but for eternity, that's extra special right there. We'll hear more about your camp experience, but I want to let you know that our guest on the show is a young lady. Um, her name is Vivian George. Uh, she recently graduated Otterbein University. She was on the golf team there for four years, and uh, we'll ask her a uh, Things about her high school experience and college experience and golf experience and see what we can learn about her and a little bit about her faith maybe. We'll see um, how that goes, but she's coming up next here on the Sports and Spirituality Show. I don't know if she's ever been to Young Life Camp, but uh, she's probably been to other camps as well, maybe golf camp. I'm not sure. Um, but why would somebody uh, sign up and say, I want to go to this Young Life Camp? Yeah, you know, I think Young Life... Um is uh it's a ministry for high school kids we have other branches but young life is for high school students and i think one of the things that i believe young life does really well is it creates christian environments for non-christian students meaning um we really want to share the gospel with students who haven't heard it before um our heart is for kids who aren't following the lord currently um and we're just excited uh, for them to hear what we believe is the greatest news ever told. And I think Young Life Camp does a really good job of showing kids that following Jesus is fun and it's um, life-giving, it's adventure, while also like, hey, this can be hard and challenging, but like with Jesus, we can do hard and difficult things. Um, and ultimately, following Jesus is just worth it. Like he um, God is our creator and we were created to be in a relationship with him. And so, uh, for students to get to hear that oftentimes for the first time is just really special. And, um, so I think has the opportunity to be, like you said, um, life changing. It changes eternity. When people start following Jesus and putting their faith in him, it changes, uh, their purpose for things. It changes how they're in relationships. It changes for me, who I marry, what job I pick, how we parent our children, where we live, um, how we spend our money. Um, and I think that for some people that can sound, you know, maybe a little crazy, but I think for us who have put our faith in God, um, it's really actually, um, it, it makes the world and our lives make sense because it goes back to our purpose. No question about that. We just got a couple of minutes before we get to that Vivian George interview. But I wanted to ask you, if somebody has never been to camp and they say, oh, we're going to this church camp, you're going to sit around and read the Bible all day and uh, you're going to be praying all day. And, uh, you know, that, that's not what Young Life Camp is. There's a whole lot of fun there. Um, so talk to us about some of the fun elements of the camp as well. Yeah, you're right. So I'm guessing that most students who have been to church camp or even other types of camps 
um, would be pretty surprised by a Young Life camp. And a part of what makes Young Life camp great is that there are a lot of surprises. Um, and so I don't want to give those away, but I would just love to say that like, you're going to eat good food. You're going to sleep in nice cabins. Um, cause when Steve introduced me, he said, I like the camp, but I like a hotel. And that's like so accurate. It is. Um, yeah. So we're not camping in tents. Um, we have hot meals at least three times a day, if not more. Um, and then, yeah, they just, there's tons of fun activities, but what makes them fun is that oftentimes they're a surprise. Um, and that we're doing it with our friends. Like, I think what makes Young Life Camp special is that the people you go with um, really do become your community, become your close friends and your close family. And this year especially, we had several guys coming that didn't know each other. Um, and it was just so fun to watch them from, like, night one when they didn't know each other, like, bond to be such good friends by the end of the week. Um, so I think ultimately what makes camp camp is the relationship no question about it. they came as strangers left as very good friends and that is an extra special deal well it is time for us to connect with our guest vivian george would you like to hear what she has to say i cannot wait to hear from her as we promised our guest is going to join us on episode 42 of the sports and spirituality show and maybe she'll bring a little bit of the sass as well um and she is vivian george recent graduate from ottermine university welcome to the sports and spirituality show vivian thank you for having me uh, it's a pleasure having you now wait a minute you look familiar um I think maybe we did some broadcasting together back in the old radio days. Is that right? Yes, we did. How about that? Uh, well, well, we'll talk a little bit about that, but let's go. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Lancaster, so in right. town, yeah. H hometown is yep, Lancaster. Hometown. Very good. And what do your parents do for a living? Um, my dad owns a small business, Service Master, and my mom works for the utilities department. Uh, very good. And are there any other siblings in your family? Um, I have a dog and a cat. That oh. my, my dad says my dog is my twin. I see. So I guess <laughs> as far as that goes, I have two siblings. <laughs> you have two siblings, a dog and a cat. Uh, very good. Um, <clears throat> why does he call the dog your twin? Just curious about that. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. He'll always say, oh, your twin's going to take you out, or your twin's going to take you on a walk, or yeah. feed the twin. Oh, so I got you. We have a bond. Yeah, oh, a special bond. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, if you don't have uh, uh, humans to have bonds with, with siblings, right? Yeah. Uh, you can bond with, uh, uh, you can bond with your pets. <laughs> yep. Uh, they tell me, uh, old guy like me, uh, the older you get, uh, the more you tend to look like your spouse or your pets. <laughs> Have you heard this before? I have not. That's okay. kind of scary. Uh, it is. It's very scary. <laughs> we, we have kind of a cute dog, uh, so maybe maybe that's actually good news for me. I don't for know. me, schnauzers, I don't want a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, you don't need a beard. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> so, you're born and raised in this area, um, so talk to me about uh, your uh, growing up years um, and some sports that you may have enjoyed as a young lady. So I grew up in Lancaster, went to Fairfield Christian Academy um, from when I was preschool till I graduated, um, which was a wonderful experience. I played basketball and golf um, for Lancaster High School and FCA. Um, but growing up, I tried all the sports um, and landed on basketball and golf. First basketball, but tried softball, t-ball, soccer. Um, I was more concerned about the flowers for both of them. I loved picking up dandelions. There's pictures of me 
um, which is a little embarrassing, but I'm glad I stuck to the two sports that I chose. <laughs> yes, very good. There are not very many dandelions on the golf course. They do a great job of taking care of those courses. Yeah, they do. I can't find anything to pick up. <laughs> right, exactly. So you had to focus on the game. Yep. Yeah, how about that? Now, of those sports, obviously you love basketball and golf the most. Uh, which ones did you like the least? As a kid, you remember? Uh, maybe a sport you played and you're like, mm, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Surprisingly enough, I did not like golf when I was in elementary school. Uh-huh. I thought it was so boring, so slow-paced Right. Um, until I got into high school. But I would say my least favorite would be soccer. I never got to understand it. Um, my cousin played it. We'd go to her games, and I was absolutely confused. And I'd just be talking to everybody. I, I had no clue what was going on, so that would probably be my least. I see. Um, so you definitely were picking the the, uh, the dandelions. Yeah. Yes, uh, during the soccer games. Uh, so, uh, and let's face it, if we don't understand the game, it's, it's not very interesting to us, mm-hmm. right? Now, uh, as a basketball player, um, I'm wondering if it was the lack of scoring uh, in soccer that yeah. might have been a drawback as well. Yeah, such a, I, I loved the high-scoring aspect of basketball. Right. I loved three-point the two points, how you could get a one point or you could get a three point off of a two and one. So it just right. had so many different options. So I could see that. Yes. Uh, you, you, soccer game, if you're lucky, it might be three to two or something like yeah. that. And that's just, that's an awful lot of running for not a lot of scoring, in my opinion. Yeah. Basketball was more run, stop, run, stop. Right. And soccer, I just never, I never got into it. Yeah. We're running all over the place <laughs> and we either, the thanks we get for that is a goal or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, too much for me. I don't want to project to you, but it uh, sounds like maybe we have uh, something in common there. Um, so, um, basketball, uh, you are, um, oh, how do we say, a slight of stature. Uh, you're not very tall. No. Um, and uh, so how tall are you? 5'2". Uh, 5'2". Okay. Yeah. And you were probably shorter when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> maybe playing basketball uh, under five feet tall when you first started, uh, certainly maybe even in high school. Yeah. I played, I started playing AAU when I was in fourth grade. So I played up a couple of times, and it was intense. I I got blocked a lot. Um, it was yes. really embarrassing, but I mean, taught me some lessons. <laughs> exactly. Now um, I, I I will tell you, I'm five foot seven and a quarter. Very passionate about the quarter. <laughs> okay, um, and so I understand uh, a person that's slight of stature, loving the game of basketball, which is supposedly a tall man's game or tall woman's <laughs> game, um, and so. Um, how did you manage that? Because obviously, almost every game you played in, you were one of the shortest ones there. How did you manage that? So prior to my in- first injury, I definitely found myself as um, going into the hoop, not much of an outside outside shooter at that time, but I kind of flirted with both sides. But I was really into getting into the basket and trying to get the fouls to go in the foul line. Um, but after my injury, I really became an outside shooter. So I really focused on that. So once I could get the get on that streak, I had pretty good games. Very good. Now, did you focus also on defense? Uh, because you were probably um, a little quicker than most of the other players as well. Yes. So in high school, I was probably one of the two or three that could guard the faster players than the better players. So when we do boxing ones, I think yes. I was one of the ones who um, – guarded the guards you were the chaser mm-hmm. right um and probably got the assignment yep. of maybe one of the, uh, their best players yeah now um uh, believe you're left-handed as well is that yes. correct uh and so did you find that as an advantage uh, because let's face it most basketball players are right-handed 
I don't really think about it as much. I sometimes forget in golf, too, that I'm a lefty and people are standing on the opposite side of me. Um, but no, not really. I didn't really kind of figure it out. I think more so it struggled with my sh um, shot form when I was growing up, I trying see. to watch people um, figure that out. But once I did, I was pretty fine. Yeah, because the people you were watching were probably right-handers. Yeah. And uh, you, having to make that transition. Yeah, and uh, I always went out with my dad and we would – we would always be outside in our backyard. And I remember always trying to watch him. Yeah. And I'm like, this is just so confusing. Right. But once I figured out where my hand goes, both of them, I was okay. Yeah, very good. Um, if you're just joining us, this is the Sports and Spirituality Show. This is our guest, Vivian George, a recently graduate of Ottermine University. I believe they're the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Um, and uh, we'll get into more of the college experience. But let's stay in high school. Uh, you mentioned um, one or two injuries talk to me about your injuries so my freshman year of high school I was full-blown uh, basketball and in a game I went up for a rebound I remember our coach at the time was telling us I want somebody to go out there and get the most rebounds in the second half and I was like that's gonna be me I want that to be me at, and at five foot two inches yeah. tall I, I don't know why I thought that was gonna be me no but I thought it was gonna be me I so love that I got the rebound but in the air I heard a pop and I came down on it and I started throbbing so I pulled myself from the game told me it was a sprain a couple weeks later we were in another game I pulled myself out and I felt it weird but then I went back in and I got hit and I went down and I tore my ACL and that was definitely a devastating injury. I remember the pain was unbearable. And I remember I had I was surrounded by my best friends, though, in the moment, which made me feel a lot better. But it was really, really tough. And how was the recovery on that? It was really hard. It was probably one of the hardest things I have done so far in my life. <laughs> um, I remember uh, leading up to the surgery, I had about a, about a month span where I adapted to my limp. And people were asking me if I really tore my ACL because I was limping so well. But after my surgery, it was really tough. Seeing, I remember seeing people walk was one of the hardest things. I'm like, you do it so easy, and I'm having to rewalk and relearn to walk. Right. And when I would be in physical therapy, I would be at the point of tears because getting my leg to extend was my biggest issue. It took me so long to get it to extend. And then watching my friends play basketball was really hard. But I did make up for it because I um, joined our play at the time. Okay. And I was Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games. How about that? So I, I tried to make the best out of it. Yeah. But it was really hard. I think the recovery time was the hardest just because watching, watching people walk was so hard. And I remember the physical therapy was not only physical physically draining but mentally draining I would come home and just want to sleep because it's just so it was so hard yes um, I was going to ask you about the mental aspect of that uh, because um, it is physically taxing um, to do something you've done I don't know most of your life yeah. uh, and now you've got to relearn that uh, but then to manage the mental challenge uh, to see your friends and family mm -hmm. doing things that you used to do and now you can't and you know physically you could if you could get your body to work right and all of that um, so how were you able to manage the mental challenge um, of that struggle I think mainly the support I had um, my dad I think went to every single physical therapy session with me which was a huge help and huge motivator um, and my mom and dad both helped me through um, exercising and getting out and I remember 
I don't remember if I came out of surgery saying this or before my surgery. I said I wanted to run a 5K right after. Not right after, but a couple months after. And I did it, and my dad did it with me, which was so awesome just because I felt like the support and love was there. So it kind of motivated me. Um, And my physical therapists were awesome. But I think mainly it came from my motivation intrinsically because I knew my body was able to do it. I just had to get it there. And I think I knew it was a process, but getting it there was hard. Um, So just kind of pushing through and months later I think I did it I I I don't remember how how long it was after but um I remember it was definitely tough and then the mental aspect of going back to basketball and not being the same player was even harder yeah yeah talk to me about that because uh, they tell us uh often people who have injuries um they uh maybe afraid to cut afraid to jump afraid to go in for a rebound because you remember the last time you did that that didn't go so well um all of that how were you able to manage getting back out on the court that's when I developed to being the outside shooter for the team, um, which I actually really loved. I think it was more fun for being than being a um, somebody that goes in for the basket. But I think the hardest part was letting myself go, do the cuts, jump. Because at first, I remember my first training session after my I got cleared, I fell, and I remember I started crying. I had to go back to the doctor because I felt pops. But it was just scar tissue at the time. I had no clue. I was just freaked out. It was just definitely hard because I knew I was never going to be the same player. I had a huge brace on my leg that um, restricted my mobility to running. And it was just hard seeing other people do that at the same time. And I just had this big freak accident that kind of changed my basketball career. And it was tough, but I, I loved who I was both as my before my freshman year and then after throughout my rest of my high school because they gave me the experiences that it did it certainly did now um as we fast forward in your high school basketball career we'll get to golf in a minute um uh, you i think had another injury is that correct i did (laughs) talk to me about that um so after i had played my sophomore year my junior year i believe my sophomore year we went to the lead eight so that was an awesome experience junior year went to the sweet 16 i played aau since i was in fourth grade um i was in an aau game and i being the lefty i am i was going down the left side through the basketball down the right side and i heard a pop and i stopped running and i was like this is this doesn't feel normal um And so I pulled myself from my game. Um, It was throbbing. My dad was doing stretches with me. And sure enough, I tore my meniscus. Um, But I I played the championship game. So I was very proud of myself because my dad kept telling me, we can go home, we can go home, we'll get you into the doctor. And I was like, no, I want to, we were playing well. I wanted to finish it. So if I remember right, I stayed on one side of the court and they played five on four. (laughs) So I basically just shot. So, yeah. I was so just on the th- I was just on the three-point line right. for the rest of the game, which kind of worked out. But in hindsight, <laughs> yeah. maybe I should have pulled myself. <laughs> but tore my meniscus. Yeah. And again, tough injury plus a tougher recovery again. Yes, correct. And uh, uh, meniscus, uh, sometimes uh, the MCL, right? Mm-hmm. So you had the ACL and then you had the MCL uh, issue. So um, <clears throat> when knowing that you had the ACL and what that recovery was, and now you're like, oh, goodness, I've got this MCL issue, and now I know what that recovery is going to feel like. Did that help you or hurt you in that process? 
I'm not really entirely sure. I want to say it kind of helped me because I knew it wasn't as a strenuous recovery because I was walking that night. And I think the minute I started walking that night, I was like, okay, you're going to be fine. Like, you'll be okay. It's not going to be as bad. Right. Um, so it wasn't as horrible as I thought it would be. I don't know if it was because I did it once before. Um, it was more so getting my balance back, getting my um, strength in my leg back. Sure. Very good. Um, and uh, you're you're realizing that uh, basketball, pretty physical sport. <laughs> uh, maybe I should uh, maybe I should uh, play a little golf. Now, yep. um, you uh, did you play for Fairfield Christian Academy? Uh, at the beginning? Yes. For mm-hmm. one year, I played for FCA, and I played from the men's tees that year. Yes. Were you on the men's team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we didn't have any um, girls, so it was me and um, one other girl and, like, four boys, I believe. Right. So, we played from the men's tees. So, yeah, we saw Fairfield Christian Academy, Knights golf team. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, didn't have your own ladies, uh, so uh, we, we play from the men's tees. Do you think that may have actually helped your golf game or hurt it? I don't think I was as, like, in love with the game at the time as I was going further after I got hurt. Um, but I, I sometimes do think it helped because it helped me with um, different clubs. Correct. And longer clubs because right. I had to play a lot further distance. Right. Um, it definitely was intimidating playing with guys yeah. <laughs> as a freshman in high school. Yeah. But good competition. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good thing. Now, you also mentioned that you played for Lancaster High School. Now, you didn't go to Lancaster High School, but it's my understanding there's a rule. If your school that you attend does not have a sport, you are eligible to play in the on the team in the school that you would go to. Yes. Is that right? Yep. Uh, Yeah. So that was Lancaster High School for me. So starting my sophomore year, um, I went to Lancaster High School for golf, and it was awesome. It was a girls' team, right? Yes, it was a girls' team. I finally got to go to the Red Tees, which was (laughs) fun. Get to the Red Tees. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what were some highlights for you um, when it comes to golf uh, there at uh, Lancaster High School? Uh, the experience there was awesome. I feel like I was really nervous about being accepted because I went to FCA, it was Lancaster, um, different schools, but the girls all welcomed me r- extremely well, and they became some of my lifelong friends. Um, it was awesome. My junior year, I played in a playoff hole at Westchester and Canal Winchester. I played in five playoff holes to go to districts, and I lost by one stroke. So that was a disappointing way, but followed it up senior year. I made it to districts, so that was a really fun way. So the experiences were awesome, and then they led me to Otterbein. Uh, yes, uh, let's talk about <laughs> that. Uh, um, <clears throat> they tell me that there's, I think, two or three primary areas where ladies, but but, but probably guys too, um, have a, maybe a higher opportunity to get a scholarship or get some of their college paid for, um, and that's in areas of soccer and golf. Uh, did you find that to be the case? Well, for Division three, they didn't really um, pay for us, but right. it, was, it was a good experience with that because it, there were so many girls that had the opportunity to play, and the coolest part about it was I wasn't playing with ones, twos, threes, and fours, and fives for high school. I was playing against every one for their high school. Yes. So it was so awesome with great competition. So, yeah. Very good. Um, why did you choose Otterbein? Being an only child, I wanted to be close to home, but I wanted to have that distance where it gave me some time to grow, and I think it was a great choice. And I actually started um, my edu- my education in nursing, and then switched it over to my what I graduated in, which was why I chose Otterbein. Um, so kind of funny story. But. Yeah, excellent. What did you become? 
um, a teacher, uh, middle school teacher. Middle school teacher. Yes. Very good. Um, and so uh, you just graduated in May, is that right? Yep. Um, and, and have you landed a job? Yes, at Big Walnut. Big Walnut. Yep. Uh, excellent. What do you be teaching there? Um, social studies, 7th and 8th grade. 7th and 8th grade social studies. Outstanding. Do you Are you concerned that you won't be much taller than the 7th and 8th graders? Oh, I know I won't be. I've already <laughs> accept, accepted that. And all my, okay. in my student teaching placements, one of their first things they say to me is, Miss George, you know, I'm almost ta- I'm taller than you. Right. And I'm like, yeah. okay, thank yes. you. <laughs> did, did you ever get mistaken for one of the students? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. This that- has already happened to you. Yeah, yeah, a couple placements. I just <laughs> I ignore it. <laughs> I don't even I don't even want to explain myself. No, exactly. So I just walk it's, away. It's just it's too hard to, uh, for you to understand. Yeah. So uh, we'll just move on uh, <laughs> to do the next thing, and that is uh, to teach your class yep. uh, <laughs> that I'm called uh, uh, to teach. So um, you decide to go to Otterbein, um, which is in Westerville, Ohio. It's mm-hmm. a Central Ohio area. Uh, and um, talk to me about some highlights in that experience. It was awesome. I switched my major my sophomore year. Um, to education, but throughout that, I joined a sorority. I was um, head of one of my um, clubs for the education department, and um, then golf. I was a two-year captain, which was an, an amazing accomplishment. Me and my me and my best friend were actually the um, captains for the past two years, um, so it was really cool to do that alongside her and then the rest of my teammates. And I met my boyfriend there on the golf team as well. So that was a really cool one, too. So I've had a lot of great things come from Otterbein. Uh, no question. i got to ask you about being a left-handed golfer. You know, uh, some things don't matter. Uh, softball glove, you probably you need a special glove, right? Uh, yep. You need a left-handed glove. Uh, basketball, you, there's not a left-handed basketball, right? <laughs> um, uh, there's not a, I don't know, a left-handed soccer ball or left-footed soccer ball. Um, and so, but golf clubs, obviously, uh, very different. Do you feel like? there was an advantage or disadvantage uh, being a lefty golfer disadvantage in the fact that i could not find a glove anywhere i would be running out of gloves and i would have my dad try and stop somewhere it was so hard but left-handed clubs had to special order them correct kind of annoying but (laughs) i think it's because we're special yeah exactly (laughs) exactly it's not a run-of-the-mill golf club that you can go to dick sporting goods and get right yep no no we we're going to need the extra special clubs mm-hmm. uh, for this left-handed golfer. Now, um, did you encounter other left-handed golfers uh, when you're out and about, or were you maybe a bit of an anomaly? I had one teammate that was a lefty. When she graduated, I was the only one on the girls' side. Um, I never even really sometimes noticed lefties when I was playing because right. I, I always thought I was the right side. I was doing it right. And then I always thought people were on my side. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, very good. Now, do you have a special golfer that you like, uh, that you admire, or maybe matching your game after theirs? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure. I went to the Memorial this weekend. I thought there was – I yeah. would try and say I'm like all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Phil Mickelson wasn't there. No. Uh, he's a lefty. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. Um, so, but you, so you couldn't pick up any tips from him. No, nope. I think he's going over that. Uh, the that LIV, yeah, yeah, right. The Saudi Arabia one, right? Uh, I think uh, I, rumor had it they were offering like two hundred million dollars. I think Ricky Fowler just went over too. Uh, yeah, correct. And uh, Dustin Johnson, I think DJ, uh, yep. <coughs> just uh, signed on for like one hundred fifty million dollars. Um, yeah. A person could live on that if they knew how to budget. True. Uh, <laughs> do you think you're going to get a call for the live tour? Um, maybe. I'll let you know. Would, would you go? <laughs> would you go to Saudi Arabia and play golf? Maybe. For $150 million? Yeah, yeah. I think I would. 
at least I think I would. At least play a couple of tournaments, right? Yeah. Uh, just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would that would be really cool uh, for sure. Um, now I think I heard a rumor uh, that uh, your the end of your golf career was pretty cool. It was. Uh, there, Otterbein, explain to us what happened there. So, backtrack to last year, my junior year, we lost in our OAC conference by, I think, 12, 16 strokes to Ohio Northern, who we knew that was going to be our biggest competition. Sure. Um, following that, we all worked really hard. Um, we knew it was a team sport, but individually, we had to do our part. And I think we all successfully did that. Um for our OAC conference um, this year, it was an even better experience than the last because we all did what we needed to do on the course. We individually kind of kept our mindset the right way, played well, um, and then the last day we went into a playoff hole. I remember it was the most nerve-wracking moment I could ever think of. Um, my best friend was coming in on the last hole. She just needed to par the hole, and we were okay. We would win it by one. Well, Ohio Northern um, sunk a birdie putt to tie us. And my best friend Lindsay had a nine-foot putt to save par. And I remember I started crying already. I was like, oh, I don't know why I'm crying, but I am crying. I was so overwhelmed with emotions I couldn't look. And she sunk it. So then that led us into a, a playoff hole, which was really cool because we sent out all ten players at once. It wasn't like two threes. Right. Um, it went two of three of them two of us in one group then we went three of us two of them so it was definitely a lot longer because we had five girls out right. on the course um i remember standing up there with my teammates and i remember one of my best one of my friends rachel hatley she went to canal she was like i do, i love this moment i am feeling so good and then i'm like me too i think this is cool I'm, this is fun and um then we all struck our drives down the middle, and it was so cool walking up because we had no clue what those girls shot up front. Okay. And so going into it, we were like, we're just going to do our thing. I was like, I'm ignoring anything outside of me right now. Mm -hmm. I pretended that I was just playing by myself because I knew I was getting overwhelmed, but more so overcome with um, excitement. Right. Not anxiousness, not nervousness. nervousness. I was so excited to be where I was. And um, then it hit me walking up. I'm like, oh, my God, we, we could lose this, but we're not going to. So um, we all had some really tough putts. My teammate made a sandy to put us at a par. My other teammate um, had a really tough putt. And then it came to my putt. And it was like a five-footer. I was like, okay. I was putting all, really well all day. I was like, I, I'm not really nervous about this, but it was a putt I could have easily missed. Right. And it was a tough pin placement. And I just kind of did my stroke. And then I look up and I'm, lo I'm looking around and everybody's like going crazy, but I'm not even like focusing on who's going crazy until my coach came up to me and he was like, we won, we won. And I remember it was just such an amazing, amazing feeling having the parents come, all of them who supported us through the entire year. And then being surrounded by my best friends. I couldn't have asked for a better group of girls to have done these past four years with and this team worked so hard and the aspect of the friendship and the golf side I couldn't have asked for anything better and then we followed that up in Texas and 
did what we needed to do. Yeah, so really very fun. good. So you earned the right to go to Texas. Yeah, we got uh, an automatic bid. Yeah, to the NCAA mm-hmm. Division Three tournament, right? Yep. Um, and uh, another beautiful thing. So you're over the ball. You don't know that if you sink this putt, you win. I had no clue. Right. I, I remember hearing Ohio Northern's coach say five, three numbers, and I'm thinking, I, I didn't, it didn't register to me that right. he was saying there are three scores. I was just thinking, oh, he's saying three numbers. Right. And so, and it would happen right as I was about to approach the ball. So I'm glad it didn't register. Right. Um, and it was funny because my friend who I had watched her on the ninth hole, she goes, I, she was in my peripheral and she goes, I, I couldn't, I had to walk away. I didn't want you to see me. And it was just such an amazing thing, but I had no clue. It was kind of. I wish I, I'm glad I didn't know. Well, I was going to ask you that because <laughs> I'm glad I think I didn't know. It, it kind of lowers the pressure, right? Say yeah. instead of thinking about all of the things that are going on, I'm thinking about this five foot putt. Uh, maybe it breaks a little right. Uh, you don't want to hit too hard. I uh, want to make sure you know I do get enough speed to get there, and uh, you know I, I got to go. Uh, I don't know uh, two balls outside the uh, cup, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, focus on that mm-hmm. and not on the the moment that was. Uh, Vivian, George, if you hit this putt, we win. If you don't, you know, we're tied again or we could lose this thing, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, nobody needs that pressure, right? No, uh, I'm definitely glad I didn't know. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing. And then you get to celebrate with your teammates because you actually sunk the putt. Yeah. And uh, uh, you go with the automatic bid to the next or to the uh, tournament. That's great stuff right there. Uh, thank you for your willingness to share that uh, with us. So what's next for Vivian George? I am going to begin teaching in the fall. I am teaching a globalization um, civilization class at Big Walnut with 7th and 8th graders. Um, I'm really excited. I started working um, this camp in the North Star area or at North Star Golf Club, and that's Big Walnut area. And I remember introducing myself to some of them, and I told them what class I was going to teach last week, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I think I want to take that again. I'm going to try and get in it again. Yeah. And it was so cool. I just, like, kind of got to meet some of my future kids in a, a golfing aspect, which was awesome. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited for that. Talk to me about the future of your golf game. Do you have any aspirations for, uh, I don't know, professional stuff? Or are you done with, uh, I don't know, competitive golf and going to start doing uh, golf outings and that kind of stuff? <laughs> um, I would like to play in a couple of tournaments just for fun. Uh-huh. Um, I played in the Ohio AM last summer, and my dad was my caddy. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't mind doing that again. That was really fun to have him there along with my caddy. Yeah. Fun to have him in my ear Correct. rather than watching. Right. Um, and um, I would like to do that and play outings. My grandma is very invested in that i'm gonna play outings with my grandma my dad wherever i can get into some some more competitive but less competitive and Uh then i would like to coach very good. Uh, be a golf coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think maybe Big Walnut might have an opportunity for you? Yeah, they have a volunteer assistant coaching position that they mm. offered me. So okay, I am really excited. I think middle school is such a fun age, and to get them invested in golf at that young of an age, yep. I think would be very awesome. So right. I'm really excited. Well, you are also a middle school golfer, so you yep. can appreciate that. Oh yes. Um, and uh, you also know where that can take them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, that's uh, I believe it was Woody Hayes who said, "Pay it forward," right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you are paying it forward um, by uh, accepting that position. So congratulations to Thank you, you on that uh, on that position. Uh, we call it the Sports and Spirituality Show. We've talked about a lot of sports, and I'm glad we have. Talk to me about your faith uh, uh, and your spiritual journey throughout your life. 
So I went to FCA um, for Folk Christian, and I was the chaplain for my senior graduating class, um, which was an awesome experience for me. Um, in high school, I really felt like my faith took off. I feel like when you're in elementary or middle school, sometimes it's something that you hear, you see, you talk about, but it's not within yourself at that point. And I feel like when I got into high school is really where I started to gain my faith and where I started to live it rather than talk it, see it, hear it. Um, and I felt so awesome to be able to lead my class, my senior graduating class. I got to pick a, um, a verse for us going into Hawaii. Um, and it was on our, I, we made t-shirts with it. So it was awesome to see that I could have that effect on people and my own classmates. And then I got to speak at graduation um, and let us all go. And I felt like it was such a fine finality moment with my class, the people I grew up with. And I felt like I was hoping that I had an impact on their lives like they had on mine. And I think going to college was definitely a bigger change um, from going to a non-private Christian school to somewhere where everybody's different. Everybody is not in the same faith realm. And it was, it was a really big eye-opening experience for me, but I think it taught me so much because that's where I feel like I really, I really learned to where I can let people in and then I can express my faith to them. And which is a harder aspect in today's world, I think. It it's is. really hard with teaching too. Um, I think sometimes it breaks my heart when I see a student where I can't verbally and um, expressively love them the way I would like to. Um, so that was kind of a learning curve for me and kind of understanding my boundaries with people and I felt like God helped me accept more people into my life than and help them in the case that I can do so much more for them. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and then I golf co I was a golf coach for developmental disabilities. And that was another huge eye-opening for my faith. I worked with so many amazing people. And then it just kind of it further wanted me to further help people. I wanted to keep going with that and then I've had these big aspirations that I want to go on a missions trip at some point in my life I've always thought it could be next year it could be next year but whenever I felt feel led to and called to I definitely think I will but I don't think that I would be who I am today without FCA and where God has taken me to because I don't think I felt like when I switched my major from nursing to education that was a huge God calling I absolutely felt like I wanted to help people and I remember praying about it praying about it talking with my parents about it and I was like I just don't know what I want to do and then um, I felt this huge calling for education and ever since then I it's been such an, a great experience and I really hope that people can lead off of my example from my teammates my friends people from home family so I think that's been such a great experience and I always think back to FCA where I came rooted I have I lead I give that all the thanks because they help me become into my own faith and then help me express it which was awesome. That's great stuff right there. Thank you for your willingness to share. Um, and I can tell you, every parent wants children to their children to make it their own. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you've done that. Yes, you have this foundation. People instructing you, coming alongside, encouraging you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your parents uh, talking to you about Jesus and all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but. Um, Eventually, you have to make it your own. Yeah, and that's one thing I learned. When my parents, we always talk, like, our faiths are different. We have different 
we lead a different faith. My walk of with Jesus is very different than mine and yours. We have right. different stages of faith, and I think that's something you have to learn as you grow into that faith and accepting that your faith doesn't have three people in it. It has you and Jesus. Yeah. And I think that was huge for me is understanding that I don't need this world in my faith. I think it's me and Jesus, my conversations with him, and my walk with him is mine. It's something I take autonomy in and I take um, proud in. Yes, well, there was someone who said evangelize, 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 which is basically a, uh, a word that means sh- share your faith. But it said when necessary, use words. Right, because people can see that. Oh, mm-hmm. Vivian George is a lady who loves Jesus. Uh, she is different than other people that I see. I wonder why that is. And then they ask that question, um, and we're able to impact their lives with the way that we act, the way that we mm-hmm. treat them. Yes, right? I think that was huge too in college. Is I was I remember counting with these different people. I wanted to kind of figure out how to approach some people, and I remember just doing devotionals and feeling this peace over me at some times when I would need to approach confrontational aspects. I'm not very good at confrontation, Um, so I remember I would just watch devotionals on it. I would pray, and then when it came down to it, I would feel peace. And I remember I always that's always my go-to now because I do have a lot more confrontational issues now. Um, being a teacher, you got to confront parents, students, staff. Um, yep. and I think those practices have helped me in the moment where I'm like, okay, quick prayer. Let's go do this. You said something else just a minute ago that I thought was really fascinating, and that is you started out being a nurse, but you really felt a calling uh, to move in another direction. Um, and my hunch is that you really feel like God was guiding you in that way. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so what would you say to someone? Because let's face it, lots of people go to college saying, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up, and they end up being something else. And quite frankly, I think that's the beauty of the college experience, that you get to, to be exposed exposed to lots of different things and you get to find your lane you get Mm -hmm. to find your place you get to find your wheelhouse you get to find your calling if you're listening for it if you're asking for it sounds to me like vivian george was listening to uh the urgings Mm -hmm. of the lord and uh uh, taking that direction so um what would you say to somebody who uh, maybe uh, started out on one track uh, maybe thinking about going to another and not 100 percent sure that they should make that switch what would you say to them I would say if you are doubting it and doubting yourself, then make the switch because I felt like I did that a long time for a while. I felt like my calling was to help people, but I did not know entirely what I wanted to do with that aspect. And I remember praying about it, praying about it. And then I was like, I remember in elementary school, I wanted to be a tutor. I remember I always loved dressing up as teachers. And then that minute, the minute that happened, because I kept praying about it, I was like, please, like, just lead me to what you think is my calling. And I remember think I remember doing a prayer. I had a big exam for the education department. And I was like, this is my calling. And I know that God wants me placed in this situation. And then I am here to help future students. So I felt peace about the exam. And since that moment, I switched to education. There was so much peace. And I felt like since then, God has led me to different schools, different people, and different areas of where I can help, which has been an incredible experience. And I think that calling and that itch kind of clicked. And I was like, the minute I knew I was doubting nursing, I was like, I have to make this switch. And once I did, it was incredible. 
Yes, and then you mentioned uh, getting that sense of peace mm-hmm. at the on the back end that says, yes, I am where I am supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody once said, uh, get a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yep. Uh, and that uh, it comes with the peace that mm-hmm. when you've made a decision to move in this particular area. Yep. Um, uh, just a couple more questions before we let you go. Mm-hmm. One, you mentioned a boyfriend. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you want to talk any more about that uh, maybe uh, a little bit about uh, who that might be uh yeah so we met um my freshman year of college um I remember we um, kind of ran into each other at the golf range started chatting then kind of nothing ever came and then I I still had my itch for basketball and I watched some intramural games and I ended up watching his and then we never stopped talking so um we just had our three years so Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. He's definitely motivated me through golf, through education, and supported me, which has been awesome to have that support. Yes. I was actually wondering, was he there uh, when you sunk that putt or or no? No, he was at a golf tournament. We met on the golf team. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, So, he's doing his thing. Yep. You're doing your thing. Yes. Yes. So, he was at at a golf tournament. So, definitely fun to have that. (laughs) That's interesting that you have a a double love, right, for golf and basketball. Yeah. It makes it competitive. We play match play a lot. So, Uh I get eight strokes when we play. Yes. So, I'm definitely excited to beat him now because yeah. I can go up on the tees. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, have, have you had match play yet? Have you? Yeah, we have. We've we did a lot of match play, and that's uh-huh. the way we play our mat. Our yes, kind of. We do strokes, but match. Okay, I got so, you. Yeah. Okay, yes. very good. And <clears throat> uh, have you beaten him yet? I have. A yeah. couple times, okay. I, but I get my strokes. Yeah, I understand, but yeah. still, yeah. It's, it's a win. He hits the ball pretty far. <laughs> yeah, well, see, here's the thing. Uh, you went in knowing what the rules were, and yep. you just followed the rules, Yep. and you won, but you yep. didn't rub it in. You didn't mention it to him. Not at you, all. That, that, <laughs> that not you at won. That's not me. <laughs> Uh, never. Oh, well, <laughs> you might be sarcastic. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> um, Steve Rao would definitely rub it in. Uh, if, he, uh, if it's my dad? Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely rubbing it in. Okay. All right. Does he give you strokes? No, I have to give him strokes. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. I have to give him strokes. Very, very He good. thinks now that um, I'm done golfing uh-huh. with um, collegiate level, he can beat me. Right. You can play straight up. Yeah. I don't know why he thinks that, but... <laughs> He thinks you got rust on your game or something, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He uh-huh. says we need to plan a day, go out, and uh-huh. we're, playing, we're playing on his course that I he sh- wants to play. I got you. Maybe so. Father's Day. Father's yeah. Day weekend, maybe yeah. you could do that. Yeah. And maybe you go ahead and let him win, Viv. I don't just know if I ahead. can do that. Just go ahead. <laughs> well, that could be have your you gift. met him? <laughs> I have. Uh, <laughs> maybe that could be your gift to him. Um, but don't maybe. tell him that you're letting him win because then that just ruins the whole thing maybe. right there. Maybe. Yes. All right. Um, and I wanted to ask you about your mom. I believe your mom's native language is not English. Nope. It uh, is Spanish. Talk to me about that. She is Puerto Rican. Um, so her native language is Spanish. So she had to learn English, um, which is kind of fun still um she still struggles with some phrases and uh-huh. some words which is fun to sometimes tease her about but yeah she um she was a probation officer in lancaster and now she's utilities department and she right. um was also a translator in lancaster as well so it's really cool to see her in her element with that and how much fun she has so yes uh, now is her english better than your spanish or vice versa 
Oh, I'm not very good at Spanish. Oh, okay. I wish I was. I really wish I was, uh-huh. but I am not very good at Spanish. Very she good. was always helping with my Spanish yeah. homework. And it's school. my understanding that Puerto Rican Spanish is much different than Costa Rican Spanish or Spain's Spanish or yeah. Dominican Spanish or whatever. Yeah, I think there's a, like a ton of forms of Spanish. And I remember when I was in high school, um, the form I was learning was different than the form she had um, right. talked. So we had a little bit of some issues with the <laughs> which Spanish was I learning. <laughs> Did she help you with any of the tests or quizzes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was very kind yep. of her to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to ask you about, in this area, in this region, we're a very white area mm-hmm. very white region um and i wonder if there um w- was any challenge for you um growing up in this very uh least diverse area uh if you ever had any struggles in that area um of um, uh, dealing with uh, i don't know some uh, lack of acceptance or whatever i had some comments here and there um I had some people mistaken me for Mexican rather than Puerto Rican, and there was a big difference. And sometimes I think that people were were not as educated, um, so that kind of caused me to want to be a social studies teacher um, so that I could be that educator to avoid what the questions I got asked. Mm -hmm. um, Because I I did not like them. They were not fun to get, because more so teasing. um, And sometimes... I was like, oh, I'll just go along with it, whatever. Um, but growing up, looking back, definitely was not the best situations. And I wish somebody would have educated those people before they came and talked to me and came offensively. Right. So I think that was kind of one of my biggest things. Being a social studies teacher is I want to educate my students the best that I can for their outside world because they can go and put themselves in situations they don't need to be put in by their actions and by their words and mainly words. And if I can help them in any way with that, I want to do that because there's so many different cultures that we can learn about. And I think that's so big being a social studies teacher is exposing them to the students in the classroom, allowing them to freely express that before they go out and say things. Yeah, that's uh, wise. Uh, you can use your own experience. Yeah. And the Word of God tells us uh, we get refreshed mm-hmm. so that we can refresh others. Mm-hmm. We are comforted so that we can comfort others. Mm-hmm. And uh, you uh, maybe didn't have um, the uh, best experience all the time. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it worked out pretty well, but still, mm-hmm. those negative experiences stick with us. Yeah. And if we can pass that on to somebody else, say, that, that was an insensitive thing that you said or a response that you had, uh, this is not the way that we should act. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all created in the image and likeness of Almighty God, so let's treat everybody the same. Yeah. Whether they look like us, sound like us, live like us, um, let's uh, accept everybody uh, for the special creations of God they are. Yep. Um, and um, maybe you'll be able to use some of your life experience to help yep. others. Yep, I'm excited for that. Just because I think social studies in middle school is such a heavy thing. And I want to make it as least heavy and as most informational as I possibly can with them. So educating them the best that they can be before they go out and say something they don't need to be saying. (laughs) Yes, uh, great advice right there um, and great leadership on your part. Well, thank you for coming on the Sports and Spirituality Show. 
Thank you um, for having me. Thank you for being so open about your high school experiences, <laughs> your college experience, your family experience, uh, and your faith. We trust the Lord's blessing on you um, and your family and your boyfriend uh, <laughs> turned fiancé turned husband at some point. <laughs> some uh, point. No, no pressure. <laughs> um, that we're not here to apply any pressure to any <laughs> of that. Um, your uh, brand new position at Big Walnut uh, as a teacher and middle school golf coach and um, we trust that uh, the Lord will continue to use you to be a positive and powerful impact Thank on you. young lives and families. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. That is Vivian George, <laughs> recent graduate of Otterbine University, the Lady Cardinals, and helping them uh, make it to the NCAA tournament on that final putt. Uh, that was great stuff right there. What a very articulate young lady Vivian George is, and so glad that she was on the show. Kelsey, I'm really interested in your thoughts about what she had to say about people misunderstanding her Puerto Rican heritage. Yeah, you know, I agree. I'm so glad Vivian was on the show today and that she shared her story because I think it is just that we need to hear more stories that are different than our own to understand other people's perspectives and life experiences. And one thing that stood out to me is when she was saying that when she was younger and she would get teased, sometimes she just went along with it. And that really breaks my heart because how many other young people, young kids, young adults go along with the teasing because they don't have any other example. They don't know how to say, actually, that's inappropriate. Like, I would appreciate it if you didn't say that. Um, or let me help you understand like how that comes off to me, you know? And I think, um, that for me goes back to like why she wants to teach middle school social studies. Um, and I think that is so like her reasoning and her purpose for wanting to teach that is so powerful. And I'm so excited for the student she's going to get to impact. Yeah, I, I really get frustrated by that, too, because people uh, look at a Hispanic person and they call them Mexican. Like, I mean, there's just so many variations of Hispanic or Latino. And, uh, man, I just hate it uh, that uh, uh, if you're of Mexican descent, God bless you. Uh, and we, we love you. Um, but if you're not, you don't want, you know, you don't want to be um, uh, really uh, misrepresented in those situations. And so, uh, yeah, that... Uh, uh, I was so glad that she was so vulnerable and willing to share that. And for all of us in our life, we need to find out our why. Why do we do the things that we do? And that drives us or fuels us. And it sounds like she's already found her why, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I just, um, I'm so excited for her. And so, excuse me, so excited for uh, her experiencing her why so young. Yes. Um, because she's going to get to play into that and live out of that for so long. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 42 of the Sports and Spirituality Show. Uh, so glad uh, that Vivian George was able to join us, a recent golf athlete graduate from Otterbein University. Now, we're going to have a softball player on episode 43. A young gal who has a connection with you, Kelsey. She graduated from Bloom Carroll High School, was an outstanding athlete there, went on to play at the University of Washington, the Lady Huskies, and now in the professional ranks of softball. And that, of course, is Taryn Alvello. Because I'm having a fellow Bulldog join us on the program, would, would you be willing to come back for episode 43? 
I am willing to come back. I'm so excited to hear from her. Outstanding. Well, thank you for your willingness to join us from remote location. Can we say an undisclosed remote location to make it sound more mysterious? Yeah, that's okay. what you want to say. All right, that's yeah. what I want to say then. <clears throat> Kelsey Bowl joining us from a undisclosed remote location. Um, oh. And uh, so glad that you were willing uh, to join us here. A special thank you to our sponsors, Greg and Mitch Price of Price Custom Homes. They've been at this for about 50 years. They can help you from beginning to end. You can get more information by going to pricecustomhomes.com, their website, to get more information. A special thank you to WLRY and Save Radio for broadcasting the Sports and Spirituality Show. For Kelsey Bowl, I'm Steve Rao. Join us next time for episode 43 of the Sports and Spirituality Show, bringing you the sass each week.